morning. What's up? Cody Jansen with you on 12-Ounce Sports World Hockey Report Live. Coming to you March 20th. Just after 8.02 local time. A little bit chilly out there once again this morning. Hey, I guess it's not fully springtime yet. We're still getting by. It's day nine without NHL hockey. That's pretty crazy to think about. It's almost surreal. It's like day nine without fully professional sports or, you know, elite professional sports. If you think about everything that's been canceled from baseball to basketball, hockey, football, hey, I don't need to bore you with all that talk. But of course, show today brought to you by mybookie.ag. Use promo code 120Z Sports and they'll match your deposit of up to $1,000. Tons of stuff still going on there. Live casino as well. Hey, there is still some hockey going on. We are going to talk a little bit about that. Got a couple of guests joining us today. 820. It'll be Stephen Ellis from the Hockey News jumping on. We got some stuff to cover. Then at 840, it's Luke. Captain Lou joining us from 12-Ounce Sports. Maybe we'll ask him about his Red Wings. Who knows? Who knows? For Detroit, though, they were scheduled to play tonight. They were supposed to play Arizona. It happens. It really does. It's crazy how much this has affected everyone. And yes, I mean, especially with Steven Ellis. We're going to talk to him. But maybe some, some potential playoff scenarios that he's heard. Maybe we'll ask about the the thought of, you know, dragging those playoffs into August, September. Because to me, I think that's crazy. I, I, I don't see, they say it was a player's report. I don't see how that would actually work out or how it came about. Because that seems wild. It seems insane. How many players are going to want to say, yeah, we'll give up our summer if we can play the Stanley Cup in September? That does not make sense to me one bit. One bit at all. Other games that were supposed to go on today, I guess maybe you get your hypotheticals in. Uh, Pittsburgh, New York, the Rangers, then Caps, Sands, Wild Jets, Flyers, Stars, Bolts, Oilers. Would have been a good one in Edmonton too. Uh, Ducks, Canucks, Yotes, Red Wings. Man, makes you miss it. There's a crazy little phenomenon going on right now in the hockey world. A lot of esports. A lot of, you know, game simulations. Pretty much at every level. I seen something yesterday. It was uh the the Federal Hockey League. Maybe it wasn't actually them. They were they were like simulating their games. They created all the teams, all the names and everything. I thought that was pretty funny. I mean hey Everyone's finding ways to pass the time. I think I seen something like Corey Schneider made 90, 98 saves or something in their simulation win over Calgary. Yeah, teams are being creative. Who can fault them? It's awesome to see that they're putting out good content at a time like this because, man, it's tough. There, there really is nothing going on on the ice so for all those people who are in the media and the content world you want to make people smile you want to you want to make the most out of situations like this and they're really doing that so yeah i mean hey we're, we'll talk with steven about that he's really he's brought up some of the esports stuff he's got a couple of great articles up there on the hockey news you know it's definitely worthwhile to give it a read and kind of see how one thing that's maybe bad for 
you know, most people in saying the NHL is canceled has actually really helped, you know, EA Sports, those people, because I guarantee you gaming's at an all-time high because everyone should be. I'm not saying if you don't self-quarantine, you're an idiot or you're the worst person in the world. But, I mean, if you're not doing your part, well, that just, you know, shows what type of teammate you'd probably be. If you ever played sports. So yeah, people are doing their part. Uh, I'm sure the games are all taken off and all sorts of that stuff. But end of the day, you got to get a tip your hat. Also, that Carolina Hurricanes thread, that was hilarious. We will go through that. If you haven't seen that, I'd check it out on Twitter. I'll go through some of my favorite ones here because, yet again, that's that just shows another... Not even social media team, you know, creative marketing. Everyone who goes in there kind of made the most out of a pretty good situation. And for the Hurricanes, their Twitter's always been pretty funny. They're up there with, like, the Vegases and stuff. So in their thread, they pretty much tweeted at every team uh, some extra kindness. They tweeted at the Leafs, your arena staff really find ways to go above and beyond. Ooh, that's a David Ayers one right there. I do like that one. Um... Golden Knights, what happens in Vegas, stays in Vegas. Uh, there's a funny one about the Oilers. I'm trying to find that now. Oh, for the Oilers, orange is a hard color to wear, but y'all do it well. I thought that one was uh, pretty good. Hey, there was some serious news in the hockey world. Saw this last night. Definitely thought it was worth a, a retweet. Came from Ryan Whitney. Um, uh, it's Will Francis. He sent the video of him, you know, Crushing a table, Bills Mafia style, after uh, clinching playoffs with Cedar Rapids last year in the USHL. Uh, just got some tough news. He's got leukemia. That's brutal. I mean, that's that's brutal for anyone, you know, kind of going through the whole junior realms, college, whatever, at such a young age. You know, your, your thoughts, your prayers, put him with him at this time. He, he's going to get past it. I mean, you know, tough hockey guy. Stay healthy. That's the biggest thing, you know. Thoughts and prayers go out to him, his family, everyone at that time. In case you've been wondering on the Twitter, I do just have to clarify this. I'm not watching Inception. I'm not watching DiCaprio movies. I'm not watching Love is Blind. That's Adam. He's not going to be coming on the show today. Maybe we'll get him on next week if he's self-quarantining or bored and wants to wake up early. Maybe we'll get him back on the show. I saw some impressive numbers out of the European leagues. I think we can definitely talk about this in a sense of for those who have wanted, I know it's been a topic before. I know we've talked about people before of what would it take for the NHL to have a European division? Or what would it take for a European Super League to come back? Now, obviously, I think the Super League's probably the more obvious answer, and the NHL's not going to be a great fit just due to the whole supply and demand over there. couple of teams, though. Some impressive numbers. When you look at Bern in the Swiss League, they averaged over 16,000 fans a game. That's wild. Scott, St. Petersburg, that's KHL, uh, 13-5. Kölner Hay uh, in Germany, the Dell. Just over 13,000. Ice Bear in Berlin, 12.9. Mannheim, 11.8. You know, there, there's some good 
you know, there's some good numbers out here. You got uh, Gothenburg with over 10,000. Sparta Prague with over 10,000. Wild to think that Sparta gets over 10,000 and they still struggle to put a good team on the ice. You're literally living in one of the best cities in all of Europe. You've got an unreal rink. You've got an unreal fan base. And you're just getting clobbered out there. Kind of embarrassing. Kind of embarrassing for Sparta Prague. Then you got, I mean, other teams, Zurich, Moscow, Helsinki. Those are all right around 9,000. A couple more German teams. Um, the only really jump was Lausanne, who was 27th in Europe last year. They moved up to 13 now, 8.5. Pretty impressive, but that, that whole Swiss League, the NLA, does a great job marketing everything. They run it like... They run it like the NHL. They run it like the American Hockey League. I mean, they all have very solid barns. They put out a good product. Yeah, they've got a little bit of extra stuff. they got a little bit of extra club pride, stuff like that. You're singing, you're dancing. You get your DeVos atmosphere, maybe some of your funky sponsors out there. But in general, in general, run very well. So you got to tip your hat where it's due right there. Switzerland. Definitely leading the charge in Europe. I'll give them credit all day over the KHL. Someone was saying, oh, Dynamo Minsk. Wow, pretty impressive to see them have good turnouts in their team so bad. If you don't have a choice to go to the game, <laughs> you kind of have to be there. Fill the rink. Also, a pretty interesting question. Maybe I'll put this one out there. Hit us up anytime. We're on Twitter at World Hockey RPT, on Facebook at World Hockey Report. Who's the best player to never win a cup? Marcel Dion? Jerome McGinley? Ryan Smith? Dale Howarchuk? Roberto Luongo? Matt Sundin? Rick Nash? I thought that was kind of a weird one to throw out there, but hey, it's far now. Uh, Shane Doan or someone else? I said, for me, it's an absolute no-brainer. Maybe there's a little bit of bias because of how much I grew up watching this guy. But if you don't think that Jerome McGinley deserves a cut more than anyone else, I think you're off your rocker. One, he got robbed back in 04. Absolutely robbed. Two, he grinded it out on some pretty mediocre Flames teams. I think we can all say that. They were definitely underperformers. And, you know, just, just the way he played. He played the game the right way. He really did. He played hard nose. You know, he's well, he led the league in scoring one year. I mean, he could absolutely chuck him. He just did everything right for Calgary. You know, yeah, he got moved around a little bit at the end. It happens. But end of the day, I mean, I, I think what, he's got World Championship, Olympics. Just missing that cup. It's a shame. It's an absolute shame that it didn't happen. But end of the day, end of the day, I really, I really don't get the argument that the other ones. I mean, Dion had a great career. Don't get me wrong. Howard, Chuck Smith, Luongo. These guys all had great careers. But the best player to never win a cup? Yeah, I'm taking a Ginla. 
out of all those guys, especially in his prime, just the way that he could actually do everything while captaining a team that good. He was unreal. He was absolutely incredible. 814K, got one more thing to talk about. Just before we go to commercial break here, how is hockey still going on in Belarus? What type of... I mean, as I mentioned, Minsk, and, you know, maybe we, we poke some fun at them, but how is playoff hockey still going on in their pro league? And with fans, too, to say the least. Absolutely wild. I got no clue what the COVID-19 coronavirus cases are there right now. But it's wild. It's wild that they're still having playoff hockey at this time. And, I mean, not like I'm like, oh, you know, I, I'm going to boycott watching. No, I'm probably going to watch them. I just can't believe that they're getting away with it. It seems crazy to me that... A country can just do their own thing that much, as much as Belarus does. Well, you know, Smith, they absolutely crushed. But Miladechno, something like that. And then Grodno. Two of them, I mean, they're just the wagons of the league. They're like the teams that like actually bring in money for the league. Although probably is government-funded top to bottom. But still, those two teams that are bringing in money, they're going to meet in the finals. Once again, no surprise. It is good hockey. Don't get me wrong. I mean, when you think of the Belarusian Pro League, you kind of give it a laugh. Give it a watch. I mean, it's, you know, there's decent hockey to watch. Some solid players out there. But at the end of the day, I think when it comes to the health and safety of people, the experts have, have spoken out loud enough. To say, hey, maybe it's not safe. I mean, unless you're that Krikanov guy. What's his name? Vladimir Krikanov coaches Dynamo Moscow now, I do believe. He wants he wants Kazan and Helsinki kicked into the KHL for boycotting playoffs. And then the league goes and suspends play. What an idiot. Shut your mouth. There's just times, I mean, where you clearly know if you're wrong or not. And they're just absolutely blowing things out of proportion to the point of it's just a Russian thing. It's not even a stereotype anymore. Russia just does it to themselves where they make themselves look absolutely silly. Alright, I just saw something else pop up. We are going to talk about it. I said NHL first all-star team. There was a ton of good suggestions. I won't be able to get to all of those, but I will give you ours for this. I said three forwards, two defensemen, one goalie. Who's your all-star team this year? Uh, Let's start from up top. I think it's pretty obviously on Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid have to be there. They've led the Withers the entire season. Dreisaitl, I mean, yeah, he's the front runner for the heart. That should pretty much go without question. At this point in time, uh, McDavid as well. Just phenomenal player who's not going to take him. And then David Pasternak. The rate that he is scoring is insane. It's more than McDavid. It's more than Seidel. And can we get to the point now where we can say that he's doing it with worse players for some of it? I mean, when you think of how many of Seidel's goals McDavid kind of cashes in on, or Seidel cashes in on, 
yeah, I think you're probably going to take Connor McDavid feeding you the puck over Brad Marchand. That's nothing against Brad. I mean, I think he's a phenomenal player. On the back end, I went with John Carlson. Just ridiculous. What he is doing offensively for the Caps is absolutely next level. And then Kale McCarr. Yes, Quinn Hughes has had a better second half of the season. But I still think top to bottom from the start, Kale McCarr, phenomenal. Maybe he's working with even less. But hey. That's all right. We're going to go to commercial ring on Stephen Ellis after the break. It's World Hockey Report Live on 12 Ounce Sports. It's World Hockey Report Live coming to you on 12 Ounce Sports. Cody Jansen with you here. Friday, March 20th, 8.21 local time. We now bring on Stephen Ellis from the Hockey News. Stephen, how's it going today? It's uh, doing, as, uh, doing as well as you could possibly can in, I guess, uh, the world circumstances right now. Yeah, everyone seems to be just getting by at this time. I think that's a pretty fair way to put it. Um, obviously, I mean, let's get right into it. The NHL's in a very crazy time. It seems almost inevitable that the regular season will either be canceled or pushed back probably till May or June at this rate. So I got to ask you about the playoffs. There's been some pretty crazy proposed stuff going on, including, I mean, playing the Stanley Cup in September. Um, I mean, what are what are you hearing on your end of the side of things? Or, you know, what are, what are you thinking is probably the most viable option or options out there? It's kind of a, a tough situation because there have been a lot of kind of proposals that have been thrown uh, around by all parties involved. But I think that the issue is, just the uncertainty of the world situation that even if in theory the after that eight week period from the CDC if, if the players were to be ready for then they still got maybe a week or two of training camp to go and then they got to go through the regular season assuming they go through that and that, that's the thing like knowing how owners in the NHL reacted over like schedule changes they don't want fewer games. If it all works out, considering they're losing money and, like, obviously, like, they're doing the right thing by paying the employees right now, but at the same time, you look from a business side of things, they're, they're not really making a lot of money right now. So um, they don't want to recoup that as much as possible. So, like, the owners, they'll want this to, they'll want to return, they'll want to get this back underway. But, you know, you from what I've heard, a couple of the teams that are farther back in the standings, the teams that are eliminated, the teams that don't have a chance, they just want this to be over, just skip to next season. And that's fair. Like, you're waiting, like, if you're Detroit, if you're waiting all this time just to still be last place in the league, like, does that really incentivize you to want to go back? But uh, it, it's kind of a thing where I don't think even the NHL knows what's going to happen. And that's just the, just a, the strange thing. It's because that no one really knows what's going on, it, it's kind of hard to prepare for any of the proposed options but the 24 team idea where they didn't have a plan to finalize last few spots that would be cool but again you're kind of almost looking at who can just be the best right away as soon as you return for that to work as opposed to who kind of deserves to be there so I don't think there's a perfect answer of what should happen um, but again we, we, we're seeing events globally that are getting cancelled in June and in late May, so like those are things where you, you almost have to take notice. Are those are those events getting canceled too early, or is that really what we should be looking at as a possible return date? And, and like we're seeing more and more people each day in North America that are getting hit with the 
obviously there's been a lot of steps to kind of contain it, but at the same time, there's so much uncertainty where we don't know if we're going to go back. And honestly, I, I'm okay with if they don't return and they just put the focus on next season because I think this year has just been kind of tainted too much. And this year overall, if you look at all the big storylines with all the, the, the coaching issues and stuff like that earlier in the year, it's been kind of a weird year for the NHL. And I feel like this is a year they kind of just want to just move on from. But at the same time, that's so much lost revenue that I feel like the league itself will just keep pushing as long as possible. Stanley Cup in uh, September. Again, talky, it'd be great, but you also have to look, it's going to impact a lot of other things, and there's ex- the expectation now that the draft will not be held in person. Uh, it will be an online draft, kind of like what we see with the OHL and, the, and other junior leagues kind of moving forward, so it's, it, I don't think there's a perfect solution, no matter what. There's so many different options being thrown around out there. And you did bring up the 24-team one, which is the the other one I wanted to ask about. Obviously, I think the, the one most popular now is the recent players' report of finishing up August, September with playoffs. But with the 24-team one, do you see these teams actually, or, you know, in, in a hypothetical situation, do you see these teams and owners agreeing to this if this means that they have to come back in, say, two months' time, and they're just playing a one-game in, in June, and essentially they could come back and train for three weeks to play one game, lose, and now all of a sudden their season's done. Like, I, I guess kind of from a, a player standpoint, an older standpoint, does it even make sense then? Exactly. Like, I've always been, I'm probably the only person on the planet that would love to see a one-game Stanley Cup final victory. Um, but this one, yeah, like, like you said, they're training for so much, there's so much downtime. And then for them to go out there and play one game or a best of three, that idea has been thrown around too. It's like, I don't think there's a perfect answer. And um, I don't know how much the players are involved because all of the players, for the most part, have been kind of quiet about the whole situation. But, and that's fair. You're, everyone's kind of supposed to be quiet in terms of isolating themselves. But it's, uh, yeah, it's like they'd be training so much just for one potential team. And again, I think there's some injury risks. You'll have guys that haven't played at a full game case all of a sudden have to play one of the most important games they've ever played. I, I think that's a tough one. And then, of course, there's like the question of like the contracts. Like, if this is going to go past July, how do those contracts that are expiring? How does that work? Do they get extended? Do the players agree to that? That may not actually be in the players' best interest. If the season starts going longer and they're playing games in July and they're playing games in August and they get hurt. All of a sudden, their next contract is, it could be much different. So, for those with players on expiring deals, I don't think returning to play actually helps them if it means playing late in the year, especially like it's written into the contract. So, they'd have to get a way around that. But I don't think they're going to be like, oh, well, all right, we're in the middle of the playoff series, my deal's over, I can't play now. It's like, that's, the, I think, one of the hardest things you got to look at here. But it's, uh, I think that's a question for another day, assuming we even get back to the season. That was one of the big things that everyone was talking about. You know, say Taylor Hall, if the Yotes make the playoffs, well, all of a sudden he's playing in September now, maybe in a meaningful hockey game, and he's going to be a UFA in, you know, a week's time almost. What happens if he, you know, I mean, if he gets hurt and all of a sudden he's out for, you know, three-plus months, now that's actually chipping into his next season and his next deal 100%. So that, that's a big point there. Hey, yeah, yeah, over at the Hockey News and everything, you guys are definitely jumping in on that eSports stuff. You had a great article about how this has taken off, and I've, I've talked about it a bit, just how the, the, the consumer, the sports consumer, the hockey consumer, 
wants wants hockey. They don't care what fashion they're getting it in. Talk to me a little bit about how much this actually has probably benefited, you know, people like EA Sports and stuff where their product has, you know, maybe never been more popular. Exactly. You know, this is the thing where for the last couple of years, like the NHL video game series, it's been heavily criticized due to lack of changes, some of the decisions they've made. But I think now this is a really good opportunity for esports as a whole to kind of grow. And we've seen it in other sports. Like right, uh, this coming weekend, Fox Sports is going to be broadcasting an iRacing race with a bunch of NASCAR drivers. Like, who would have thought a year ago that a national broadcaster would be showing a video game race? So, like, that's like. Looking at NASCAR and its popularity, it's definitely not the same it was in the 90s, so that's a huge step for that. And then the question is, how does hockey kind of respond? And we're not seeing any massive broadcasting deals, but we're seeing um, we're, we're seeing media partners around the world, that are around North America, that are getting involved. We're seeing teams uh, have their own tournaments and have uh, other events going on, like Washington Capitals, Clubs, Blue Jackets were doing a three-game series last night. And that was really cool because it was two of the best gamers in the world, and John Wayne and Top Shelf Cookie. And uh, again, those are just—it's funny referring to to hockey and then using those names. But um, seeing like those two guys go out there um, battle it out was a big deal because they're two of the top players in the world, and that brought up a lot of attention. There were people betting on it, so I think people are starting to get more okay with it. And when like look at the comments on. Uh, our Hopkins post the first few days it was like come on you guys are literally simulating a video game come on and then now we're getting people that are asking us to stream the games and now we're streaming them every day and it's like when you look at that it's we're getting the older audience that maybe are just start for hockey or didn't really think that they would enjoy something like this that are now kind of falling in love with it and I think that's really cool because you know there isn't any other hockey but this is just all for fun like for the, the top gamers yes it's important that this game, but for everybody else, it's just another form of entertainment. And from talking to some of the top players in the competitive scene, they're saying, you know, like obviously it's not going to be easy to transition, and we don't want to replace ice hockey. But what we want to do is just give you something else to do. And right now is a good time to expose. And I think again, globally, we're going to see that continue to grow. And there's uh, a lot on the line in these tournaments. There's like these guys are very competitive, and it's not just your average guy playing the baseline. The skill gap between the top players and even like the 20th best and the 30th best players is big. But then compare it to you at your home, it's it's so massive that I don't think people realize that. So it takes so much skill to do what they do. And I think people are starting to take notice finally. Oh, I mean, for someone who's not a gamer like myself, I mean, probably the last NHL game I played was like NHL 13. But it's just crazy. I mean, even you, you watch them and stuff and you see all this esports taking off. They're professionals now. They're making huge dollars. You know, I mean, not even just NHL. Like, I mean, if you think of in the gaming industry, like Ninja and those guys, they're they're just racking in cash for you know playing playing every kid's dream. I think every kid or most kids grew up playing some sort of video game or something nowadays. So it's pretty crazy to see what they're doing. But you you brought up an interesting point in the last topic of you know things in May and June are getting canceled. Now, the IIHF has canceled certain events, including the Division I Men's World Championship, which it's not actually the top division. It's the second one. I don't get why they figured it out. That's just some weird European yeah, thing. Not, but like, not misleading at all. <laughs> oh, I know. That's, they're, they're in their own world. But, you know, the, the actual the Men's World Championship – 
hasn't been canceled yet. I know that there's a lot of controversy, especially when you look at it. It's being held in a country like Switzerland, I believe, where they've been known to take serious health precautions and like extra measures. Like they were one of the first leagues playing in front of empty barns. They were one of the first leagues to suspend their season. Um, I, I guess from your perspective, obviously we don't know where the peak is at with COVID-19 in Europe, but is this something where they can actually postpone it or is this likely just to be canceled? Uh, I think for the safety of everybody, uh, it will be canceled. And from what I've been told, that is what we should expect. There won't be a tournament. Because let's say Switzerland is clear, they're fine, there's no threat there. Do players want to travel at this point? I don't think so. Especially like if the NHL season returns, Like that makes it even more complicated. Like who's actually going to play in this tournament? But it's... It's my, yeah, like, let's just say in theory the tournament returns. I don't know who overall goes. and Because you, you've got a lot of European teams that are involved where there are a lot of cases, and I don't think they want any of their players moved. It's we're at a point right now where in mid March or even getting to the late stages of March, where everyone is quarantined essentially around the world. I don't think we're going to see in about a month and a half all these players now wanting to go travel in Europe, given everything that's going on. Like, from, from again, no one seems to really know how this whole pandemic is going to go, but it's not going to end quickly. And as a result, again, I don't think we're going to see in May players willing to travel, even if that's kind of allowed. And obviously, like it kind of borders on that eight-week period in the United States where they're they are saying like, don't do anything. We're going to have to like this, this is the situation. Don't be an event and stuff. And that kind of borders on that. When you look at May. There are a lot of big events globally, and I know right now, like, the Indy 500, is, that's one of the most watched sporting events in the world, and that's a real danger right now. So I just can't see a, a two-week tournament of all these 16 countries and players from around the world meeting together and making this happen. So it, it's one of my favorite events. I just love it. I watch every single game every year, and it's just looking like it's just not going to happen this year. And I think for everyone involved, they'll be okay with it, given the circumstances. You're a big international hockey fan, and I definitely should have put this in the notes, but I'm going to spark it on you. What's your thoughts? I mean, we've been kind of cracking fun at it with World Hockey Report, but what's your thoughts on Belarus being the last season standing, essentially? I mean, KHL is now postponed, but Belarus hasn't done a damn thing about their season. They've still got full fans. They're still playing their playoffs. Like, I mean, they're, they're literally just turning a blind eye to the pandemic. I mean, what was your thoughts when you saw that? morning i look it's like are you guys sure you're still playing you guys yeah you guys are still active it's, it's funny it's like i i don't understand the rationale for that like i'm actually curious if the attendance to take it a bump up because there's nothing else to do but uh it's yeah it's it's a weird because it's like why you guys and like i know belarus struggled on the international scene for the last couple of years but and obviously the belarus league is not a high level league if you're anybody in belarusian hockey you're not playing in the domestic league um it's it's the livelihood for some of these players. Maybe they're just trying to look at that more than anything. It's just from I've asked around why are they doing this, and no one seems to actually know. So it is weird. I don't like again. There's a reason every league is shutting down, and of course the KHL hasn't really even officially like ended things. Like they could be going back in a couple of weeks, which again I think surprises pretty much everybody. So it's it's a weird weird decision on their part, but. Uh, and we're not in charge of that, so it is what it is. I just don't think it's the right decision based off of what we're seeing globally. 
What a place, Belarus. Alrighty, Stephen Ellis, my guest. Thank you once again. We will get to Leafs talk this summer. We'll have to have you back on. Just running short of time. So yet again, thanks for hopping on here on this Friday morning. Love what you're doing at the Hockey News. Keep those streams coming. I know there's a ton of people tuning in. And hey, of course, the articles are up there as well. Yes, absolutely. Thank you very much. Stephen Ellis from the Hockey News joins us there talking a little everything he covers so much hockey. You want to check him out. The Hockey News, Stephen Ellis. He's on Twitter at Stephen Ellis, T-H-N. Go give him a check out there. Hey, we're on Twitter at World Hockey RPT. We got Captain Lou coming up next. So, stay tuned. You don't want to miss it. World Hockey Report Live coming to you on 12 Ounce Sports. Back after the break. It's World Hockey Report Live coming to you on 12 Ounce Sports. Cody Jansen with you now. Joined by Lou Gamlin. Joining us. It's a big deal when Captain Lou comes on the show. 12-ounce sports is finest. Lou, how's it going on this Friday? Cody, I'm doing fantastic. Hey, thanks for having me on the show. It's an absolute thrill. Not a problem. Appreciate you hopping on. Um, Lou, this is a tough time. I mean, let's let's be realistic. What's going on in the world is crazy. And for sports broadcasters, like, I mean, yourself and, you know, me as well, but... There's been a lot of cancellations, a lot of you know job security issues for people, and it, it trickles all the way down to, I mean, I don't. How many years have you been doing the ACHA tournament now? Well, this would have been my uh, fifth year doing it. I started out back in 2016 when they were still doing the tournaments in separate locations, uh, based on the divisions. Um, I did the Division Three tournament in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And then they started in 17, uh, ACHA kind of, it was a great idea what they did was they went to the NHL cities and pitched the idea of having all the tournaments there. And it started out in Columbus. Um, and they had uh, three different rinks that they were doing the five divisions, three for the men and two for the women. And they had their semifinals and finals at Columbus right there's, I don't know if you're familiar with their rink setup. They have a practice rink that's hooked up to the main rink at Nationwide right across the hall. Uh, I believe it seats like 1,500 people. So they did all that for two years in 17, and the response has been fantastic. And then uh, Dallas bid on them for the last couple of years, and unfortunately, of course, this year with it being canceled, the next year, uh, it's going to be in Boston, outside of Boston, at one of their facilities. So it's really taken off, and yeah, it's definitely it's definitely been tough. I, you know, I understand why they're doing it, and I'm totally behind it, 100. percent You know, it's just like everybody else, we're at a void for us sports fanatics of looking for something to do and something to watch. But I. I'm fortunate that I still have a quote-unquote day job and I feel bad for the announcers and, you know, like for the folks at the Hockey News, for example, that have been laid off and their income level has been taken away. It's uh, it's a tough time right now for not just us, everybody in general, but, you know, for them, for something that hits close to home for us. No kidding. And, you know, with ACHA Nationals being canceled, obviously that's, you know, that's crazy. I'm sure it's, uh, 
probably makes the ACHA a good amount of money just, you know, bringing in all those teams, fans, all that stuff in general with your sponsors and all that. But um, for, from your opinion, how, how are these teams going to, to bounce back next year? Do you think this is something where teams are actually going to bounce back stronger? Being I heard one very good argument talking to a guy out of North Dakota is a lot of these teams – had done a ton of fundraising for this. I mean, they're talking like fundraising 20, 30 grand for this. And now, I mean, essentially they're not going to have to spend it. So it, it kind of, for some ACHA teams that maybe are low on funds, now they've padded the bank a little bit. And now next year, do you, do you, like, do you think they're going to hit the ground running a little bit faster? Maybe some guys a little bit more motivated to, to really get things going again? I, that's a great point, Cody, and I think that's going to help definitely. It's amazing, you know. You what I what I tell a lot of people is, you know, there are some teams in the ACHA that will get funding from their university. They'll help out, but for example, you get a t- I, the games that we covered on our network out of Grand Rapids, the Division Three tournament, for example, when Central Michigan won. Yeah, it's great. The euphoria of winning, you know, winning a spot in the nationals. You, you know, you're excited and everything, and then the next day, reality sets in. You've got some of these teams, they've got to come up with fifteen to $20,000 in about two to three weeks. And top, you know, on top of these kids, as, on average, have to come up with about $3,000 out of their pocket just to play because it's, it is, uh, I hate to use this word, but it's the truth, it's club hockey. So they've got to come up with it out of their own pocket. So the fundraising abilities that these teams, these players, the coaches—it's just—I am—it's I, phenomenal. And the extra work that they have to put in at this time of year—I mean, it, it truly is amazing. So this is definitely going to help them. I think it will help them next year. And uh, once the season gets back going, which I know. I've talked to a couple of the executives, and they're, you know, that's what they're looking ahead to. You know, they all understand what's happened, and it was very tough, but, you know, uh, it is going to help them get the, on the ground running come the fall. For sure. Um, I'm sure you can talk with it because you've, you've, I mean, you've broadcast enough games, you've seen enough hockey. How, how tough is it for you knowing that a lot of these seniors won't get their last game? I mean, doesn't matter if you want to say it's club hockey or not end of the day it's still college hockey these are still teams these are still guys who you know put put their yeah everything on the line pretty much every night I mean the hockey is still next to none in the American hockey scene whereas especially at the ACHA D1 level you know that's that's legit hockey now that's not a joke no no you know what it, that's a great point uh Jody or Cody it uh you know, I, I, I've talked to coaches, you know, over the years, um, broadcasting high school games and college games, and the thing that they always say is, you can talk to these kids until you're blue in the face about the finality of finishing a career, be it, like I said, a high school senior, uh, a college senior, someone in juniors that might be done, and you can tell them that last game, it's not going to hit you. And, and with that, when you know that the season's coming to an end, you know, you have an idea, and you can maybe prepare for it a little bit. But when you get something like this, you know, I look at these seniors for teams like the College of Dakota or uh, an Embry-Riddle or some of these teams that have never made it to the Nationals, 
and they get fired up for it, and they make it, and they're ready, and all of a sudden, the carpet's taken from underneath their feet. That's Those are the people, the guys and gals, that my heart aches for because they don't get that opportunity to play something they've worked hard for a couple of years, like University of Mary out of uh, out West as well. They came into the ACHA last year, and there's a rule with the ACHA where if you're a first-year school, you're ineligible for the national tournament. Well, that University of Mary team, although they were Division II, were one of the top teams in the country, bar none. They were beating D1 teams. And um, so they've worked for two years for this, and it got taken away. And those are the kids that, again, I, I, I really I feel for. I, my heart aches for them. It's, it's easy for me, easier for me because I can come back next year and broadcast the games. You know, that's, it's just a temporary setback for me. And uh, to your point of the level of play, you know, the ACHA has come a long way. I, I look at some of the teams that have gone from the ACHA to the NHL, like Arizona State. Look at Penn State. And I'm not saying NHL, the NCAA. Look at Penn State. They're a power in the NCAA in just a short period of time. I really believe that the D1 teams in the ACHA are very comparable now to the Division Three level of the NCAA. And, you know, it's, it, I, it's, I don't know if the stepping stone is the right word for it, but the level of hockey has definitely improved over the years in the ACHA. Oh, 100%. I mean, yeah, it's easily comparable, especially when you think of, you know, a top-end ACHA D1 team. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'd argue to say that they'd wipe the floor with the bottom-end NCAA D3 team. I mean, I'm, I'm allowed to say that. I, I know you might have to watch your words a little bit, but, you know, they're, they're right with the middle <laughs> of the pack. And, yes, the, the top-end NCAA D3 teams are great. They are very good. They're very well-run. They're very well-funded throughout the school. But, you know, just the, the whole talent level of ACHA, and, I mean, even there's a lot of uh, players that I know of who chose or opted to play ACHA over NCAA just due to the fact of sometimes it comes down to financials sometimes it comes down to not wanting to move to you know small town wherever to play at a school that's going to go 0 and 30 just because you're going to get free gloves and you have to pay 45 grand for schooling on something that you don't want to take I mean you know there there's so many benefits to the ACHA that, you know, it's one of the reasons why I'm a big supporter of it. And I see a lot of benefits in a lot of the players who are going there. And honestly, they're moving up now. There's there's players from the ACHA who are going on to, you know, play semi-pro hockey, play, you know, minor leagues in North America, stuff like that. So obviously, obviously it's growing in that sense. Well, I got to tell you what, I like the direction that they've taken over the, even in the five years that five or six years that I've been involved, you know, covering it, they the way they present it now is much better. You, you see a lot of the kids that are 21 years old or 22 years old, whatever the ceiling is to play juniors, that realize that they're not quite going to make it to the NHL. You know, they're not going to be uh, a Connor McDavid or whatever, even a bottom line NHLer. And this is a good way for them to continue to play and to get an education and to keep, you know, get a good step out into the quote unquote real world when they're done playing hockey, you know, they can still play until they're 25 years old or what have you in the NHL or I'm sorry, in the uh, ACHA. And I think the ACHA has done a great job at presenting that. And the other point, 
point when I had uh, I've talked to um, you know Craig Barnett, their director. You know, he says this is there's only I believe 58 or 60 NCAA D1 teams out there, and so there's a lot of college hockey that is available for these kids, and again to push that education thing as well. So it definitely has a bright future. The ACHA does. 100%, 100%. Now let's move over to the NHL. I mean, obviously, you know, Captain Lou's talking about that Tuesday nights, plus all the special shows out there. But, I mean, come on, it's it's crazy times. We don't have NHL right now. It's, you know, day nine without it. And they're starting to pitch a lot of NHL playoff formats. So this is one thing. You know, they've talked about having a 24-team playoff format with the, like, you know, play-in games. They've also talked about pushing things back to August, September. From your opinion and from, you know, what you're hearing from people, what do you think is the most likely option? What do you think is, you know, your preference? Or what do you think will work out best for the NHL players? Well, you know, I, I loved your point earlier in your show today when I was listening about uh, a team like the Red Wings. You know, it, it pains me how bad they're doing right now, but it's one of those things that's cyclical. They've had such a great run. You know, they're kind of starting over, if you will. But I love your point about having them come in to train for three weeks to play one game. And boom, they're done. You know, where's the motivation level? I mean, do you really want to do something like that? I don't like that idea. I, that you've, you've really opened my eyes with that. I would love a 2014 format because I think some of those teams, you know, have a legit shot. I know there's only 14 games left in the regular season, I believe it is. So I could honestly see them starting something back up at the end of June or 1st of July. From a selfish standpoint, Cody, I would love to see Stanley Cup playoff hockey in August into Labor Day because, only because there's such a void for sports in August. I mean, unless you've got a fan of baseball and your team is in the mix for the for Major League Baseball, you know, the dog days of August are, are horrible for sports. They're, you know what, my Tigers, for example, are bottom feeders right now, and I, I'm not watching them in August. And the only thing I've got to look forward to, as I've mentioned on my show, is keeping track of a third-string offensive guard for the Lions in exhibition football, and it's there's nothing there. So I would love to see some type of format in the NHL to have the Stanley Cup playoffs in August. I could see them you know, doing that into September, and then maybe taking a month off and having it start uh, November 1st, like it used to back, you know, back in the day, back in the 70s. And, you know, maybe shortening next year to 75 games. Nothing's normal anymore right now. You know, we all know that, not just with sports. So I, I honestly think if there's money to be made, the NHL will figure out a way to do some type of playoff, um, some type of NHL format. I could honestly Maybe going to a, like a 10-game regular season schedule to finish it and then going to playoffs in August. That's kind of the scenario that I think that they may end up doing. Awesome insight there. Lou Gamblin, my guest. Lou, I got one more for you. Let's do some rapid fire before we got to get out of here. Uh, uh, we need some NHL awards. You got to give me who's your heart winner, who's your Norris winner, who's you know who's going to be your Vesna winner. Those three are the big ones where I want to know okay. your opinion because – 
out out west here obviously i i do feel like i have a little bit of a western bias but you know maybe you've seen something different or you've got different thoughts but i want to know those three from you well i'll go with the heart trophy first i i've been thinking about this i can't go against dry right now from your way from edmonton i just love how he's played you know it's funny because you and i talked at the beginning of the year and you weren't sold on the Oilers, I, you know, and I, I kind of agreed with you after I talked to you about they've underachieved, uh, but I'd love to play a dry cycle. I, I, I'm trying to give myself a reason to, to give it to Pasternak. I know he's had a good year, but I just love to play a dry cycle on, on both ends. Um, my heart, or my, uh, uh, my defenseman of the year, um, I, I love to play a headman and Yossi, um, and funny is I want to give some love to one of your guys out there, Quinn Hughes. Maybe it's because of the bias of him playing in my neck of the woods. But I, I, I love the play. I, I got to go with probably Roman Yossi for uh, the defenseman trophy. And then as far as the as far as the Vezina, um, if you'd have told me that Tuka Rask would have the lowest uh, goal game average uh, in, in the NHL this year, I'd have thought you're crazy. Um, I, it's I love the tandem play of Dallas, you know, both of their goalies, you know, with the, you know, but I'm going to go, I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with Tuka Rask. I think he's having a great year for Boston. I know he's had a lot of help. Their team is just, they're a joy to watch, and it makes it uh, that much easier for him. But those are my picks. You know, I love Rask. I love Dreisaitl, and uh, I'm going to go with Roman Yossi for, And a hypothetical, I gotta ask you because I mean, hey, there's still a chance it comes back. Who wins the cup this year, if if there is a cup? Well, I'll tell you, I I hate to be a front runner. I love, uh, I, I I like to play a boss. You know, I, I I look at how they're playing. I like the speed. I like just their discipline. Um, out west, it's funny because I think the uh, stoppage, the team that it may have hurt the most. Vegas. They're starting to come around, and but I, I'm going to go with I'm going to go with uh, if they come back, I'm going to go with the Boston Colorado Stanley Cup final, and I'm going to go with Boston winning the cup. Love it, love it. Lou Gamblin, my guest. Follow him on Twitter at RealCaptainLou. Thanks for joining us. Hey, it's Friday. Uh, enjoy the rest of your time, you know, staying inside, <laughs> staying quarantined, everything like that. But, hey, appreciate everything you do. Cody, thank you very much. And, hey, thanks for everything that you do. And check out some of the highlights on Twitter from 12 Sports for what uh, Cody did with the uh, ACHA's regional playoffs. They were fantastic. Thank you for all of that. That was amazing. Appreciate that, Lou. Alrighty, take care. Lou Gamlin, our guest there on World Hockey Report, of course. Hey, big shout out. Him, Stephen Ellis, for joining us on the show. I know it's tough times. It's tough times. So you do have to kind of uh, put a stretch, but it's good to give some of those other things a highlight some esports, some ACHA. And of course, we got to talk to hypotheticals. What if the NHL playoffs do come back? That's going to do it back here on Monday. Same time, same place. Follow us on Twitter at World Hockey RPT. I'm on Twitter at Janner31 for Cody Jansen, World Hockey Report, 12-ounce sports. Have yourself a good, fr- a good Friday.
and a great weekend. Alrighty, we'll see you on Monday.